millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Again, speaking of powerful women, there's another podcast question I'd love to ask you, which is, if the world was ending... We just talked about Kimberly Locke, and you're like, speaking of powerful women... (laughs) Speaking of powerhouses in culture... Welcome back to That's a Gay-Ass Podcast, the podcast where we ask whose fault is it that you're gay. I'm Eric Williams, and holy shit, (laughs) this week has been fucking nuts Uh, in a good way. There's like a lot of good things happening, but hoo-wee, has it been overwhelming? And it has definitely confirmed that the Zoloft is not working. (laughs) My anxiety has been through the roof but the good news is i have an appointment this week and we're definitely going to switch things up so stay tuned and also thank you for all your nice messages it really really means a lot that you have uh, ideas of uh, things to try next and your personal experience and i really do appreciate it and i'm optimistic that something will fucking work (laughs) fingers crossed but part of the excitement is that my twin brother had his baby this week. He and his wife are already such good parents. The baby is gorgeous, and I'm so, so happy for them. Uh, and the other exciting thing is, besides having Danny Pellegrino, who, if you don't know, has literally one of the most popular podcasts ever, not only is he a guest on this week, but that's right, the Patreon is live. I've been working on it for, for a long time, and it is so exciting to see how many people have already subscribed. If you haven't yet, I really, really suggest you take a look. I put that link in the show notes and also, of course, on the Instagram. But the perks are really great. It's bonus episodes. It's early access to merch. It's going to be extended episodes. We actually have an extended Danny Pellegrino clip that i only included for the patreon that is some really good lightning around questions so make sure you subscribe that perk is a gift for the premiere so any level you sign up for you get that bonus danny pellegrino content and i also have a uh, video episodes up too so the entire 
video that's going to be unedited. Danny's is up there already now. So I I really so appreciate your support. And I really didn't know if anyone was going to listen to this. And the fact that you do is incredible. And of course, it really is an expensive venture and incredibly time consuming. And I love it. But this Patreon will absolutely ensure that I can continue to make this and uh, interview more incredible people. Now, this week on the podcast, we have Danny Pellegrino. Yes, the host of Everything Iconic, which is, of course, an iconic podcast. He has interviewed people that you would not believe, like Cameron Diaz, Elizabeth Olsen, Every Single Housewife, Andy Cohen, I mean, Rosie O'Donnell. He also has co-authored a book called Fancy AF Cocktails with our good friends Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox from Vanderpump Rules. And he has another book that's going to come out in March of of this coming year. So look out for Danny's book in March. He really ended up being a perfect guest. I was again a little nervous with Danny because he is one of my dream people and from the jump he is not only such a professional but clearly like a perfect guest so one of my favorite episodes of all time make sure you give us a subscribe and a review and again that patreon is in the show notes uh you're gonna want to stick around to the end of this episode because he reveals a a, something he's heard about ricky martin in terms of a fetish moment and who among us doesn't want to picture ricky martin in any and every way sexually thanks for being here thanks for being queer and here's danny pellegrino Listen up, Danny Pellegrino. I am not feeling like today is a normal day because it's not. It is not every day that Danny Pellegrino is on That's a Gayest Podcast. And like, yeah, this podcast may be gay as hell, but today everything is truly iconic. And thank you for coming on. I really mean that. Eric, thank you. I'm so excited to meet you. I mean, oh, we're over Zoom, but I'm super excited to chat and, and have a little uh, gay old time. Yes exactly a gay old time i mean i have to say that i feel like i saw you recently even though i didn't but i was at the watch what happens live show in your audience watching you kill it (laughs) right and you emailed me and i was like so worried because after the whole thing ended we were virtual on that and every time that we went to commercial i would like grab my little powder and i'd powder myself and then i realized like oh i think the audience can see me doing that it's so weird what the audience experience is because at one point and don't worry nothing was said that was it would just before the show you would hear on the speakers i could hear like you talking to the other guests a little bit you couldn't really make out words but i was like why are they piping in their like pre-show hang kind of to the audience and then maybe playing music but your makeup moment was just really humanizing and and honestly glamorous and gorgeous well you know you gotta have a little powder on because every time i see myself on these things i'm like oh i'm so shiny i'm italian i got oily skin and by the way us talking i feel like beforehand because ben and ronnie and sasha and i are all friends they were also on that episode and so beforehand i'm glad no one could hear because we were like like talking about erica jane and like just going into like all of the bravo stuff truly Um, uncensored yeah uncensored i mean i uh, kept turning to my friend watching the taping i was like this is they are so good at this and i would be freaking out i feel like you're obviously a pro at this point but like i don't know and you're just like all right you're about to be on television in about four seconds i'm like yeah i would be dabbing my forehead too i would do you do you still feel nervous when you do watch what happens or is it kind of like eh 
I think like it's been it's been better because it's been virtual. So I think there's not as much pressure or anything because you're at home, you're in your comfort zone. I only did it once. I was a bartender uh, when I was like at the thing before the shutdown and before COVID really took over the world. So I got to be there once, but I wasn't like a main guest or anything. And so I think at home, there's much less pressure and it's not as stressful, but I still get a little nervous. And I, you know, I really like Andy. I know people feel sort of different ways about Andy, but he's always been so incredibly nice to me. And I always just want to like impress him. And it's like, I want to make Andy laugh. It's like, if I could get Andy to laugh. Oh yeah. It's like daddy Andy. It's like when you get RuPaul to laugh on drag race, it's like, that's the golden ticket. Right. Right. But I, I think I do like Andy as well. I think he, I'm sure to some, he's like such a big personality and also so successful. Yeah. There's going to be some people that think he's a dick, but if he, he, I'm sure is a good person that just likes to flirt with a twink every now and again. And who are we to blame him for <laughs> that? Among us. No, I think it's interesting. I was just talking to a friend about gay representation and we were saying it's like when there is so few prominent gay people in media or pop culture, I think we sort of expect the ones that we do have to, check sort of every box and that's hard and you know we were talking about that show looking do you remember that show on hbo which which i really enjoyed and it wasn't perfect and but it it almost felt like it was impossible that it would represent everyone and so of course people were critical and i think that's largely just because there are so few shows that feature a mostly gay cast and so it sucks i agree i i do think that also a point some guests have made too is that sometimes in the gay community especially when you see someone else doing the thing and when you are growing up you think you're the only person with that experience and so seeing someone else do it's like well that's not my experience and then you subconsciously maybe either criticize or 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 tear down just because it is not your experience and there hasn't been that representation that we're used to right Right. You're right. Like everyone is a different person. And look, no one's no one's perfect. So there's always going to be stuff that we could complain about. And and who are we to judge? We're all here to judge. That's the point of everything, (laughs) really. But but I do think. Yeah. And and specifically, I think about as a kid, I grew up in Ohio and just even having someone like Andy or Anderson Cooper, who are gay dads, be prominent and post publicly with their kids and stuff like that, to me, just is so important and so great. But I, I understand they're not perfect. And I get that, too. I know people are probably listening and rolling their eyes like, you know, I get it. But Well, I do think yeah. the, the Anderson Cooper of it all is probably, I think before I was a pretty full stan. I did change next to him at a locker room gym, which kind of really put me in a different level of appreciation. Uh, but I think... Oh, wait. Ca- you mean you appreciated him more? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I oh, just... Interesting. I, I, <laughs> well, wait. What's this? What's the interesting? I mean, I don't know. I just, I never, I don't know. I never thought, I don't know. Well, let me tell you the, what the, the <laughs> change happened. My change was when the Kathy Griffin stuff went down. Oh, right. Is right. that, I think that started to feel like, wait a minute. Is it, it, what, what's the right side here? Totally. Totally. And I felt, you know, the Kathy Griffin of it all too. I, she was my entry point into Bravo. Like I loved my life on the D list was everything to me and her stand up yes. specials. I think were just brilliant. And, and I always say, I think that's one of the things that, bravo is missing right now is 
you know, she had a stand-up special on once a quarter or something, you know, she was doing them all the time. And I feel like there's not much of a comedic presence on Bravo. And I wish not taking me out of it. It's like, I wish they would do stand-up specials like that, that were based around pop culture, similar to what Kathy did, obviously, in whatever comics own way. But taking someone like Amy Phillips, or even uh, Casey and Danielle, like they do live shows, filming one of those and putting it on, I think, uh, or Ben and Ronnie from Watch What Crappens. It's like they're doing live shows already. I would love to see them support more comedians on the network. Because yeah, I love the Kathy Griffin of it all. I think people would eat that up if they saw a comedian that was like really speaking to the Bravo audience. And honestly, like not only Bravo, but I feel like Netflix could even get in on the the Bravo of it all with comedians. And I think that what's probably happening is that they're so used to the cash cow that is all the housewives and the married to medicine and the, that style of show that they're probably afraid to take those types of risks when come on now we need ben and ronnie on that television we need a danny pellegrino we need an amy I, phillips i love ben and ron and yeah i think it, it, to me it seems sometimes like they don't invest uh, here i am just like talking we got on here and i'm like talking all this shit about bravo but i think they don't invest a lot to me, at least, it doesn't seem like they invest a lot in talent outside of the reality TV talent. Definitely. Uh, Which is, it's interesting to me because, like, Andy is such a champion, I feel like, of so many performers and artists. But you know what? Maybe it's just like in this chapter they're not. And the next tomorrow, you're going to get a call about some show that you're going to host. Oh, my God. I, I You're sweet. But I also think... Yeah, going back to sort of the Andy of it all, I do think people think he makes like all the decisions there and, and he doesn't. Early on, I think he made more decisions than he makes now, but he's always been really lovely to me as the roundabout way of what we were talking. It is. And I want to also put a pin on the loveliness of Andy because he did an Instagram live with me and Matt and it was actually like the loveliest chat and he was, you know, genuinely interested and like, I would love to have a dinner with Andy and why don't we throw an SJP and come on. You uh, can Kelly Ripa, let's get uh, the whole gang up there. But, you know, at Watch What Happens Live, the one time that I was there in person, I noticed how everyone was sort of behind the scenes. And you know, I was like really like putting on my monocle trying to figure everyone out. And I think that's the easiest way to tell like what a workplace environment is like and and how they feel about the sort of head honcho or whatever. And it seemed like... Uh, they really loved him. And I've been to other talk shows just like behind the scenes and stuff. And you can tell there's a different kind of vibe. But at Watch What Happens Live, it seemed like everyone genuinely really loved him. And and the other uh, people in charge there all seemed to be having a really good time and like nice and all of that. I love to hear that. I mean, honestly, when, when I was there, I like even just the people that are wrangling the audience are really, really fun and just like know what the gig is. And it's just to get these Bravo obsessives screaming and clapping for just a little too long. It's like a little bit of an awkward clap length. But I actually in a different life was... <laughs> It won't make any sense out of context, but I'll give you the three-second elevator pitch. I did Elf the Musical. I played Buddy the Elf and the uh, the musical Elf, and I was promoting it on Wendy Williams. And at Backstage of Wendy Williams, it was my first time ever being at something like that, and I f really feel like people loved Wendy. I like It, it made me feel like so... The, and Todrick Hall was on the show that day also, and uh, he, like, I'm sure... Is, truly perfectly lovely but like he had such an entourage and like i don't think i got within like 50 feet of him but overall it was quite a dream and wendy even like during commercial breaks whatever it was was like giving me a size talking about my lace front wig it oh, was, i love that 
Wendy, I think it does way better than people give her credit for because it's like to just sit in front of the camera and talk for 30 minutes every single day, I think is much harder than people even realize. Did you see that clip recently of Wendy sitting and she was talking about someone and I will butcher it, but it was a like very popular person that she was talking about their social media and then she revealed they were they, they died? I mean, it's a roller coaster ride every time she's speaking. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> well, listen, so I want to tell you, I want to tell you that I was listening to uh, everything iconic, all of this morning, yesterday's episode. And I, as always, are all good, but I, I'm so curious, so sorry about this construction that's happening. I just want to tell any listener here who has not listened yet to this recent episode of everything iconic, you must. But Danny, the reveal that your closet has not only <laughs> a rosy denim jacket. Not only a Kathy Hilton wig. Not only—I mean, you were giving me. I have like a whole wig collection in my closet. And by the way, like I'm looking at myself on the Zoom here, and I'm wearing a ridiculous outfit because I literally had to grab clothes because they're doing construction now in the room in the closet. So like, I don't have my normal clothes. I had to like throw on a hat because I couldn't even get to my bathroom. To, like you know fix myself up i couldn't do my powder my oh, routine. So i feel like i'm wearing a ridiculous outfit but that's besides the point but yeah i went in my closet there's been construction here forever somebody could come in and out at any time uh but they are renovating the unit above me and so yeah it's hard because i record my show two days a week and so the most recent episode i had to like hide in the corner and and also i feel like i'm just every single episode i'm getting on there being like sorry if you hear banging but like i don't know what to do i, I don't have a studio like i'm not wendy williams so. but see i actually like a, like in the podcast world i actually find it when i'm listening to stuff like that really it actually makes you feel closer to the host and as i'm hosting this one i, you, I really when i first started which was Danny, five months ago. But like, I'm even learning in these five months of it is okay to, let's say you don't know a fact about something and you're honest about that. Oh, there's banging in my fucking apartment. It's like, I, I used to want to try to edit out or delete anything that would be considered an imperfection. But like, people are people are people. And just like we said, gay people are people. All people are people, Danny. People are people. And that is, you're right. It is part of the appeal. I think it's the, the makeshiftness of it. Um, yeah. And I also, yeah. I think like, it's so interesting when you are giving opinions and you talk about how people kind of clap back and obviously they are entitled to do that. But I do, um, I actually did write down that you were talking about <laughs> Erica's running mascara and you're like, what are we, Lauren Conrad on the hills? What's happening? Um, so I am going to agree that the performance of it all is what is really taking me out of the Erica Jane is that she, do I think that she is more innocent than guilty? Yeah, and I know it's all you know, alleged things, but I think it's the way that she is performative. It's like, well, it's all the like hand movements and the she she said this most recent episode like a few different times like I'm not going to be okay. I'm not going to be okay. And the, and then there's such a disconnect between the Erica we're seeing on social media who's like this boss who's like not going to, you know, hashtag girl boss and like everyone's <laughs> coming after her and all that stuff. And so it does feel weird watching it and then the other thing i was even just thinking about today of like well if this whole thing is happening i can't imagine any person would be advising her to be doing the show right now and she's like really doing the show like she's yes. any other housewife would have stepped back or they would have barely kind of filmed you know we would have all been complaining like we don't, we're not seeing any of it like what's going on but in this situation i feel like She's there every scene telling us how bad everything is. And it's like, that, that makes me question it too, in a weird way. 
It does. And also, I think that before the season aired, when people were asking Andy, does Erica actually go into it? He's like, you're going to be surprised how much she does. But then we're all watching it like, I think we're surprised as to like how she's going into it. And actually, Matt and I were also talking about who is letting her do this show right now? I mean, the fact that she says, I'll do anything except confess, go to confession. It's like, well, let's not use the word confession when you're in the middle of a very high, <laughs> high profile Eric, criminal shocking. case. Eric, I don't understand. Like, and we're seeing her goods and she's talking about her wares and even the fact of like getting rid of stuff. It just seems like, why would you be on a TV show doing that? Like, I, I don't, none of it really adds up to me. And I'm not an expert. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't, I don't know if I can know, but I, is it because I, of the paycheck that she just needs the money? I guess I don't know. It I might know. be. I think that also. I mean, it could be also controlling the narrative. Like, I think in some way, I I do believe that she thinks she's controlling the narrative this way. But I don't think what these housewives never realize—not with Erica Jane, but like with all of them—is the job of the producers is to create a good show that keeps you coming back week to week. So no matter who you are. They're going to portray you in a good light, and then they're going to portray you in a bad light because they want the audience at home to question how they feel about the situation. Mm. So if Erica was even 100% innocent, they would never edit her 100% innocent because they're putting on a show. It's storytelling, babe. It's storytelling. So it's like all these housewives, I think they go into these shows thinking they have control of the narrative. And never. (laughs) I think there's so many times where there's housewives who – come across as way more villainous on the show than they are in real life. And then on the flip side, I think there's ones who come across as angels who aren't in real life, but they want to keep the audience questioning and going on that roller coaster. Because if you feel one way about someone the whole season, then they're going to be gone next season because they're not interesting characters. And, and it's, that's not what the show is. And so the Erica Jane thing too, I feel like I, Sometimes I'm thinking like last night, I know a lot of her, her fans. I had posted something like on Twitter about how, uh, that car crash story made no fucking sense. And a lot, some of her fans were coming to me and saying like, you know, uh, yes, it did or this or that. And I'm like, no, they purposely didn't make it make sense. Like even Erica should be watching that and going, yeah, they edited me to not make any fucking sense because that's what their job is. I was thinking the exact same thing of like this edit of the story was trying to like literally make us go on that weird ramp the car was going on. It's like, wait, what direction? Okay, then there was a he's cheating, but wait, then he's unconscious, but he also called you. It's yeah, I think on purpose, like you're saying, the editors are putting a seed of doubt so that we can, I mean, hopefully find out that she actually is innocent and this is all real. That's what we all want, right? Oy vey, I really hope so because I I always think like those fans and and Erica, they should all be upset with the show, not yeah. the fans for saying she's bullshitting us or it's a lie or it's performative or whatever. It's like they should look at the edit. <laughs> look at the edit. Look at the, what does um, I Love New York say? Look at the. <laughs> he's like, look at the garment. Uh, By the way, ca- why can't we get I Love New York? Why can't we get Tiffany Pollard on Housewives? Oh, my, wait, which. OK, where does she live? Well, she did like this thing with Sonia once. I don't know if she lives in New York or what, but she did do uh, some filming thing with Sonia from New York. And so in my head, like, that's where she should be. And her name is New York. I mean, truly. And I literally had the vision of Tiffany walking into a room with Sonia, Ebony, Luann, Ramona. I mean, she would tear Ramona up. That would be... Remember Celebrity Deathmatch? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would like to see a Celebrity Deathmatch version either... IRL or claymation version of Ramona and Tiffany fighting. 
I would love that, Eric. Oh, gosh. I From our that. mouths to whose ears? Wendy Williams. Wendy Williams. And that is correct. Um, so speaking of our gorgeous women on Bravo, I also want to mention Luann saying, like you recapped, how I've been in trouble for a lot worse when... <laughs> What? Sonia has just uh, punched some glass on a random hotel wall. Girly, you've done worse. Right. She's done worse. And by the way, like Sonia knocking that glass was was very accidental. Yes, she was sort of like flailing about as if her arms were independent from her body, but she still (laughs) accidentally hit the thing. Whereas Luann was like drunk, went into someone's room and then refused to go out of it and then got arrested and then assaulted the police officer. Right. And so it's like different. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, th- those were human beings that you were actually l- lashing out at, and not just a little a little cup of glass pieces in Salem. That's the best part of Luann, though. Like to me, like <laughs> that's what I want from Luann. Like I want the delusion and the not being able to see it all. That's clearly. true. That's true. We love her for the unself awareness at times, and I mean, I think the most pristine image of that is when Luann walked outside of that random theater and saw her poster for her show and just went. <gasps> What did she just like took a big breath and she was like, wow, I'm like you're standing by yourself fully narrating your experience. Truly the best thing ever. That Miami trip. I mean, I can't even think about these old seasons of Roni because I compare them to this one. And it's just it, it's it's so hard, Eric. It's, it's just really Danny. Sad. I agree. And I want to tell you, I last week had Carrie O'Donnell on. We were talking about how it's like watching a friend be sick. <laughs> it's like, oh, totally. It's totally. It's a little tough to, to witness. Yeah. And like, it's always been my absolute favorite show on TV. And it's just, even I'm not in, you know, like I'll watch it, but the past few weeks, I feel like I'm zoning out so much more. And that used to happen when I would watch Orange County, especially because I'm taking notes as I'm Mm -hmm. usually watching these. And that used to happen. Orange County, I would just sort of like zone out and I'm like, I have nothing to talk about with this episode because it's boring. And that's how I'm feeling with Roni lately is like, I don't even know what to say about it. Well, like, it feels like what what year are we in? Like 2014 when Beverly Hills is amazing and New York is like is not as good. It's like I mean New York has always been good, but Beverly Hills is just at least giving us the most and we'd be, I think we'd be lost without them right now. I really feel like we we were talking about housewives who were more villainous or whatever. I think uh Dorinda was portrayed more villainously than she really is last season and i'm not saying she didn't have a bad season she had a terrible season she got angry she said one thing that i think was like totally below the belt about tinsley and the turkey based right to me to me if she didn't say that or if she would have just actually owned up to that and, and sincerely apologized i think dorinda would have been back but really, when you think about it, it feels like it was one or two moments of Dorinda crossing the line that, that they really amplified in, that were yeah. amplified. And, and I understand, again, I'm not saying she was some angel. She was definitely like more angrier than usual, but I don't think they should have gotten rid of her. Oh, I agree. God, I mean, clearly we're seeing the ramifications of a Dorindalus Roni. But speaking of kind of uh, really strong characters that we love, we think Kathy Hilton, first of all, we're grateful, but would we want her as a full-timer? No, I don't want her. I, I want her just how she is. Like, I want her to be at every group event. I want her to be cooking with Kyle. Asking about uh, Hunky Dory. Yeah, because sometimes I, I feel that way with Marlo, too. Like, I don't really think it's a good idea, uh, you know, with Marlo to get a full-time peach. It's like, they get to be there just as much as the other women, but then we don't grow tired of them. You know, we don't. 
We don't need the fam. Although I would like to know more about Kathy's like home life and family life. Oh, me too. Like clearly she does not know how to do a darn thing on her own. And like, so I want to, I want to see the people helping her. And honestly, I'm sure she treats them very well. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I, I, even just that one scene of at her house when like Erica and Crystal went to play tennis and I wanted to know more about like Kathy's China and like Mm -hmm. her decorations. And she brought that, that fucking candle this past (laughs) week. I'm like, I just want to know like where Kathy shops and like all of those. Do you think Paris will make an appearance this season? I hope so. I, I want the whole, the whole Hilton group and I want Kim. (laughs) I want Kyle. I want Kathy. I want Paris and Nikki. Uh, Rick, what's the son's? Don't they have a son? They've got do a son. They? Yeah, they have a, a boy. <laughs> uh, I can't think of his. I think they do. I'm pretty sure they do. I'm Maybe sure I'm they do. Up. I mean, listen, where there's a Hilton, there's a way. I do want to um, pivot to the podcast question, Danny Pellegrino, which is let's go into it. Who do you blame for making you gay? Whose fault is it, Danny Pellegrino? There, I, I've been really thinking about this over the, the past couple of days. And there are so many things I think we could point to in pop culture. So many moments where, uh, for me, I really nailed it down to around 1997. Now I would have been 11, 12 around that time. And that's when I really noticed a lot of the pop culture. I remember seeing, I know what you did last summer and, and ogling Ryan Phillippe and Freddie mm. Prince Jr. And, mm. uh, but there was one really obscure moment that I wanted to share with you that I, I don't know if anyone will remember this, but, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was hosting SNL and <laughs> I'd had to have been, I think it was right after Jerry Maguire. Maybe it was like after his next movie after Jerry Maguire, unclear, but he was hosting. And I had used to tape it back then. Like I would put my VHS tape in and try to tape it. You know, I didn't have every week, but I, I taped some and I had taped an episode that he hosted and he did a sketch with Mango. I think the musical guest Chris was like Kattan. Ricky Martin. Yeah. I think the musical guest was Ricky Martin. Mm. So it was like a really gay episode. And, uh, in the Mango sketch, Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, he's in pajamas and then he takes off his, his blouse and he's just wearing these like boxer shorts and he's like seducing mango or dancing for mango. And he sort of like lowers his shorts. So you see like, butt butt cheek or butt side or whatever, or it was some sort of something that you saw his underwear. And I think he flashed a butt. <gasps> and I remember it was just so important to me. Mm. And 19- I remember I, I had taped it. And then when I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, you know how you go through all those feelings. And I had it on tape and I for yeah, it was like barely a flash of skin, but it was so important to me. Would you rewatch it or was oh, yeah, it just yeah. mm, very formative time? Eleven or twelve is like you're really it's really intense. And I think this answer, Danny, is so, so good because it's so specific. It also catapults me back to that era where Night of the Roxbury is coming out, where Chris Katana is playing this mango. There's like that Will Ferrell sketch where they're all associates in like a clothing store and Will Ferrell's in a, a the tiny cell phone. Yes it's all so important and i also find it so interesting that ricky martin was the musical guest on that episode and how full circle is that i mean ricky martin was everything at that time too i remember seeing the uh what was that his first music video with the candle wax that yeah. was so and around that era too mtv was very important to me because they would do all the summer coverage and the spring break coverage and i remember the constantly we're having like fashion shows where it'd be like mm-hmm. nsync performing and then people in like whipped cream bikinis yes. walking around. And it was like seeing all of that just as a 
eleven year old closeted kid was a lot. And I also uh, loved me, Tony Danza and who's the boss, but that's Oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> Tony Danza funny story is that I in another life was a tour guide in New York City and I would give tours of Little Italy and Tony Danza bought a cheese shop that we would always go to and so I saw him multiple times and do you wanna know what it was like if it wasn't all positive or do you want me to not talk about it? No, you can tell me. I don't have much of a emotional connection to Tony Danza, okay. but Just I do physical. have a physical. Yeah. <laughs> well, he would like yell at people to get out. He would yell at tourists to get out of the way. And he, I don't think, knew what he signed up for. And so that's really, I don't have any better tea than that. But it was just like, get out of Tony Danza's way is what you learned. And that I did, Danny, that I did. Wow. But um, well, I was going to ask, about, oh, so spring break of it all. I have to say, maybe a controversial take, but while it really awoke some gay feelings very much so there were so many chiseled gorgeous bodies it was so sexually charged i think that show gave me body dysmorphia oh yeah yeah <laughs> i mean yeah they the casting calls were like hey can you be um a hairless linebacker that has broad shoulders giant pecs and again no hair please and i'm like looking down at like the hair going on my leg at 12 years old just being like oh that's not good i, I felt the same way i mean i think that that whole era was so defined too by like Abercrombie and Fitch. And yes. I was an overweight kid and, and I have a lot of hair too. And I remember like every time you'd go shopping, it's like, I didn't look like the guys on that bag, like who the hairless muscular. Uh, Danny, I would collect men. bags. I would literally collect bags. Yeah, if I could have I, framed a bag, I would have. Yeah, it was hard. I remember they, they would have the magazine, like the quarterly or whatever. And I remember trying to like sneak by it or, or convince my mom to get in it they had like an r rating on it or they were covering it up and it made you want it even more and whoa yeah. danny you're really catapulting me back there i just like going to see these magazines that are wrapped in plastic and my um i really have not thought about this in so long my dad owns a pharmacy and i would work there as a young person and he had a magazine aisle and at one point in history he did have wrapped maybe penthouse, maybe something, something. But I would go to the Cosmopolitan and I would read the sex tips and I would like, and then they would always have a hot guy of the month or something like that uh -huh. or of the week. And I would pour over these in the aisle and like a random employee would walk by and I would hide it in like a Sports Illustrated. And right. then at Borders or Barnes and Noble, they also had the, they had the gay Mm -hmm. porn mags i guess that were wrapped in plastic and i would just like slyly walk by of course you would go into the gay and lesbian aisle of the books and just like oh i'm kind of lost why am i here for 15 minutes uh -huh. i mean it I used to do that too i was just I, i was writing an essay about this exact thing about like i would get the usa today and i would put the gay magazines under it and then go to the cafe to read them <laughs> and sneak read them uh Yeah, USA was... Today is an ally, a true ally. Yeah, <laughs> that's so brilliant. Do you think if you had to choose between Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ricky Martin, if I, if I both of them wanted to sleep with you right now, who would you choose? That would be a tough. I'd have to go with Ricky Martin because now that I know he's gay, I feel like he'd be, be much better at the sex. I agree. Uh, yeah. I agree. I, I really hope Ricky Martin is ha as happy with his partner, and I hope they seem to be great. And I just think he is. Wow, what a gay legend! Do you ever see? Have you heard the thing about how he's really in defeat? No, I think it's like, I, I don't know if he said it in an interview or if it's like an urban legend or something. I could, you know, somebody ought to fact check it, but I had heard somewhere that he's in defeat. And so now whenever I see him posting online, like a feet thing, I'm always think like, it makes me look at it differently. You know what I mean? I'm like analyzing it and, 
I mean, yeah. listen, this is how this is how much I believe in you. I'm like, yeah, it's true. He's in defeat. <laughs> yeah, like we I could have heard it in a dream. Like I don't even know that I heard it in reality, but I believe it to be true now. And every time I look at a post he does, I'm like noticing how prominent the feet are displayed. <laughs> it's just a zoomed in version of a foot. I mean, I think I have no choice. I think but he posted it, Eric. I think there is like a recent post. Maybe that's why I was like thinking about it. Way. I'm look. You keep talking. I'm looking. Well, I, what I was going to say is I think we have no choice but to title this episode Ricky Martin Loves Feet. And then I think the <laughs> SEO will really kind of get boosted. <laughs> I hope I'm not wrong. I, I can't. I don't see it right now. Like Listen, a, if you're wrong about Ricky Martin liking feet, there are worse things to be wrong about. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ricky, if I got this wrong. But you know what? He has, he's a beautiful man is the real point of that Beautiful story. man. And Ricky Martin, a loyal listener of That's the Gayest Podcast. I want to thank you, Ricky Martin, for listening again. And um, we're sorry if you, don't, if you don't like feet. I do want to say that we have uh, so many listeners that are obsessed with Danny Pellegrino. And one of my favorite listeners, Sam Mehorder, she wanted me to ask you a question. Well, a few questions she gave me. And one of them, speaking of pop culture moments that we love so much, Ashley Simpson. No one's love better. Her. Love Do you her. have a favorite Ashley Simpson song? Yeah, I love all of them, obviously. I'd say, like, my favorite sort of obscure Ashley track is the duet she did with Jessica of Little Drummer Boy, because it's truly insane. Parumpa pum pum The Parumpa pum pums in that song are godly and also very unholy. I mean, they're just, <laughs> it's wild. The range of that song is just con- incredibly wild her singing about how she's a poor boy too like ashley simpson with the dark hair poor boy (laughs) with the dark hair singing about how she's a poor boy too like i don't know better music um Um, i don't either and i think that the grammy silence is definite for that duet of parumpa pum pum 100 but i also i mean obviously i love pieces of me and lala and boyfriend and l-o-v-e like there's so many Boyfriend, I do love these. Do you? Has anyone been like Danny? Can you? um, What do you think Ashley Simpson sounds like in Pieces of Me? Can you do an impersonation? Pieces, pieces, pieces of me, (laughs) me. It's like yeah. Why are people doing that? It's got to be May. Why are they doing? uh, Also, wasn't the remember her uh, TV show, the Ashley Simpson show? uh, It was like the end of the opening credits. It was the song Autobiography, I think, was the theme song. Yeah. And she's like, uh, if you want my auto, want my autobiography, just ask me. <laughs> yeah. it, like, drags on, me drags on for like 10 full minutes. And she gives you 11 syllables in that one me. Oh, just ask me. Gosh, the gifts that she gives us, they really do not end. And we we joke too about her her music, but like those later albums too are like really really art artfully wonderful. I still listen to autobiography. I have a f- music on my phone that I if I'm like t- taking a subway ride, I go on shuffle and when Ashley Simpson's autobiography pops up, I say yes, Best thank day. you. When yeah. Clay Aiken pops up, I say absolutely this. Right. When Jordan this Sparks is the night. This is the night. This is the day Although I'm going to listen it... to This is the Night. <laughs> I hate that you just brought up that album because I loved it too. Danny, how could you not? It gave you no choice. It gave you no choice. He, what was his song? Besides This is the Night, wasn't there Invisible or something? Yeah, of course Invisible. Of course. Danny, <laughs> I, I could literally I word for word tell you the lyrics of Invisible. <laughs> I could also tell you that somewhere in the world... Can you there's tell like, me? 
like the can you like na- name a lyric from invisible can you just okay like, i need to um, remember what the song was i'm sorry to like well, interrupt you no 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 please if we're going to be interrupted about uh clay aiken <laughs> that like why how like that's a gift um <laughs> so i i know the chorus and i'm going to just okay were, the chorus, the chorus are like um <clears throat> oh i got it, i gotta go <laughs> okay so it starts <laughs> on a gorgeous ooh Ooh, and then he goes into oh and also like think about like a game and think this what you doing tonight i wish i could be a fly on your wall are you really alone quit stealing dreams what can i bring you into my life wait doesn't he talk about a girl this at some point yeah and i could just watch you in your room scary you do a great clay Thank you so much, Danny. Um, you know what? One of my fun, the funniest Clay Aiken songs is he's like, I'm not going to remember the title or the lyrics at this point, but he talks about like light, loving a girl. And sure. I do not want to like continue gay stereotypes and tropes that are damaging to our people. But in this moment, I, I have to. He like has a sibling S that is just such so beautifully comedic. And he's like this girl he loves so much and it's just like a perfect sibilance and i i think listening to it i was like even claus i was like question mark um but i, think I need maybe- to go i'm gonna go listen back to that album i need to renew my claymate uh, card <laughs> wait claymate card wasn't that weren't that his fans called the claymates you know Am what I making that up i hope they were because i don't know what they call themselves but i guess i consider myself a claymate you know what? We're claymates now. I'm not sure if that was it, but we're claymates for L. We're Danny. Claymates. Um. Wow. What a what a throwback. I do really. I mean, I loved Clay, but I was more Team Kimberly Locke that season. You know, I love Kimberly Locke. I love Kimberly Wait. Locke. She had a really good song that that unfortunately Eighth World had... Wonder. Yes. Oh, Eighth World Wonder. A it's classic. so good. Yeah. You know, want to know a funny little tip? My Please. podcast theme song is sung by Kimberly Locke. And no one, I play it a little bit at the beginning, but it's mostly just in, in, uh, instrumental. And at the, if you yeah, listen like yeah, through the end, yeah. yeah, that's Kimberly. And then at the end, I play like a little bit longer, but it's sort of like an inspirational religious ballad. <laughs> and I very early on in my show, it was like an independently done song that she did. And I invited her on my show. Mm-hmm. And to me, it like reminded me of a 90s talk show. Like it's, it was so yes. cheesy and wonderful. So I asked her if I could use it as my theme song. And so whenever I get new listeners, if they listen to the end through the end of the show, which I know most people turn it off like right before that song comes on but or earlier (laughs) um (laughs) but you can hear it and it's it makes me laugh because new listeners they'll be like what the fuck was that song and like it's hard to explain to people like i thought it was funny (laughs) i mean listen i if you were to say eric who do you think sings the everything iconic theme song my last guess would have been kimberly lock from american idol season eight three no she was early i think she was like three Okay, she was three. Yeah, I mean, God, that's such good insider information because I literally was listening to you today and being like, this theme song, I, cause I fantasized about the gay ass podcast. Like, if we go, if we, no, I think it's just gonna be one long season until the end of eternity, but like, if they're like, okay, for this 50th episode, let's, and then maybe I'll have, maybe I'll just do an instrumental from a Clay Aiken song. Oh my God. I, please, please do that. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'll let it, you know when you it's You gotta out there. make yourself enjoy it. It's like, I know people think, what the fuck is this song? But it, it makes <laughs> me laugh. And then every once in a while, people will like tweet, tweet at her about it. And I don't think she realized like that anyone listens to my show when she agreed to, to allow. <laughs> she was like missing out like millions of dollars in royalties. 
man. Oh, bless you, Kimberly. Well, honestly, like, bless all... I think those American Idol women maybe made me gay. Like, Fantasia Barino was such a big part of my my growing up. And I, I think the first CDs I purchased as an independent... 13 year old man was clay aiken and Ruben stuttered actually yeah what a time to be alive i went to the tour one i don't remember which one it was i think it was the jordan Sparks season actually mm. and she wasn't even there that night like it was like she was the big winner and it was like we just had to watch these other randos but <laughs> i uh i was so obsessed with american idol back then like through season whenever Paula and Simon left. That's when I sort of gave up. And then I, mm-hmm. I re, re, uh, watched it with Mariah. I watched that season, but I, God bless those seasons before then with Randy, Paula, Simon. Those were the golden years. And I really, I will say that I got made fun of because I watched, uh, Kate, uh one of Katy Perry's first years. I, I think Jennifer Lopez had a couple of years on there that I actually really enjoyed. I just watched JLo and just think that like she's so perfect. Did you, do you like the movie Hustlers? Oh, I do. Yeah. Like everything I see JLo and I'm just like, God, I, I, she's my everything. But again, speaking of powerful women, there's another podcast question I'd love to ask you, which is if the world was ending, we just talked about Kimberly Locke and you're like, speaking of powerful women, <laughs> speaking of powerhouses in culture, <laughs> Kimberly lives in a two bedroom in Encino. Speaking of I'm kidding. Legends uh, in the yeah. entertainment industry. <laughs> I need to do. <laughs> a legends ball but it's only the most like i mean listen i don't want to be mean to the kimberly lock because she deserves only goodness but yeah. i want it to be people that you haven't listened to or thought oh about God. for a while that legends ball i watch once a year on youtube yeah legends ball nothing better did you okay. read that uh the uh, kennedy center honors is coming out and um bet midler is one of the people they're honoring I so I, I tweeted that I like 20 bucks that the bet midler performs her own tribute like i don't think anyone else can do it except for her you're right I mean, she's a singular talent. Singular talent, and gosh, I, I. So actually, this the question is: if the world was ending, and you could only save one character actress, who would it be? Oh goodness, this is a tough question. You know, I love a a, a good character actress. Mm-hmm. I always think Alfre Woodard is wildly underrated, but I'm gonna go with Judy Greer because mm. I just love her, and I feel like the best is yet to come with Judy Greer. I feel like she's got a good, uh, she's got some good solid lead roles ahead of her that I believe. I really pray for that. And, you know, full circle is that she is in one of my favorite J-Lo movies, which is The Wedding Planner. Where J-Lo played Italian. She played Italian. Yeah, it was like, oh, sure, sure, (laughs) sure, sure, sure. I mean, listen, and honestly, like Matthew McConaughey, say what you will about him, but in that movie, he's so fucking hot. So hot, but... I, I, and I love that movie. And so I hate to even say anything negative toward it. But he, I mean, we talked about m- male makeup and he seems to be wearing a lot of makeup in that movie, or it's just the lighting or something, which again, not a knock because you're right. He looks stunning, but I haven't uh, clocked that, but I'm really excited to watch it again. Re-watch and, it. Wow. Matthew McConaughey's makeup job in the classic wedding planner. Wait, I also just have to go off about this for a second too, is how to lose a guy in 10 days. I just rewatched it Mm. and I'm shocked at what they did to Kate Hudson's hair in it because it's very like dried out and fried. And it's like also the, the dye job they did is bizarre. And that movie's also very strangely lit. But if you rewatch it, it's like you can, there's certain shots of Kate Hudson. I'm like, she's stunning and she looks great anyway. 
But I'm like, was there not a comb on set? Was did they Whoa. have no brush? Like, what's oh, going on? Oh, I can't see. This is such a gift to rewatch these movies because what inspired this entire podcast was a series I have that you actually beautifully shared one of my videos called "That's a Gay Ass Movie," where I broke down why Drop Dead Gorgeous is gay, and and I think that rewatching them now it really reopens to why they affected you so much. And I had girls in my in my senior class that wore Kate Hudson's yellow dress from How to oh, Lose yeah, a Guy in Ten was Days. Obsessed with it. One more thing. If people, anyone out there goes to rewatch How to Lose a Guy in Two Days, I have to point out this one scene when they're all playing that game of called Bullshit, the card game at the table outside of uh, Matthew McConaughey's family's house. They're on like a deck or a porch. Matthew McConaughey's character's sister comes in and she was apparently like a nurse or she worked at a hospital and she comes in with just this giant tray of ribs and then she gives only her brother her husband is at the table, but she gives only her brother played by Matthew McConaughey a kiss on the lips throws down the ribs and then the, no one acknowledges it it's like the most she kisses him on his lips she kisses him like right on the lips and just throws down this like big ass tray of ribs and is like oh i just got off my shift and it was like her <laughs> husband she just just walks past or whatever is and the no husband one, giving like subtext like backstories he pissed that he wasn't given the ribs I mean, it, it was so strange to me. I rewound it a couple of times and I even text my, I don't have sisters. So like, I don't know. And I am Italian and like we Italian people like kiss on, we kiss, you know, like it's yeah. a thing, but I was like, do brother and sister like kiss on the lips that way? Like, I don't know. I, I don't think it's too controversial to say no. Uh, I yeah. think that also like Jewish families as a Jew, like very much the kissing is like, yeah, it's like we, I kiss on the cheek all day, every day, every relative. Absolutely. Right. Not to my brothers. We don't kiss each other on the cheek, but um, I remember like and certainly seeing- not on the lips. Well, yeah, we do the, the lips. That, no, uh, yeah, we don't. That we, Matthew McConaughey and and his sister, who was, by the way, I think casted by like central casting because she doesn't have any other lines. <laughs> she, you know what? She probably was a background actor, and they bumped her up, and they were like, "Yeah, you look like you've worked a long shift." And they're like, "They're like, just greet him. He's your brother. Just greet him." And she's like, "You know, this is my one shot to kiss, kiss Matthew McConaughey on the lips." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You walk, you, you walk in and you greet him, and she's like, "Got it." It was the only take that they gave her, and she's like, "Okay, I got this." And then now she tells all of friends like yeah i was in a movie i kissed matthew mcconaughey i had i had a kissing scene with matthew mcconaughey <laughs> oh my god you did although i would if i were her i would wish she would just like take him gingerly by the cheeks and go in just like a very <laughs> soft sister kiss and in my head they just like didn't have the budget to shoot it again because she's just like we gotta to move on we're behind schedule and she's so like they just kept it in she's like i think my kissing scene made it into the movie i hope they don't cut it <laughs> And then she's we watching in the it. theater. We solved the mystery because I just watched it and I was like thinking like, why is this happening? But now we, we made sense of it. So I feel better. Well, and it turns out that that woman was Kimberly Locke. <laughs> the, the eighth world wonder. The um, eighth world wonder. Well, Danny Pellegrino, I could truly talk to you for about 20 more hours. But so um, as we're nearing the end, I do want to um, ask you a question that you need to feel free to answer in a way that is true to you. Danny Pellegrino, what is the best Whoopi Goldberg film? Sister Act 2, Back Thank in you. the Habit. Thank you so much. Yeah. I love all of them, though, and I, I do just want to quickly say that one. a, a couple of them that are underappreciated are, number one, Eddie, where she became the basketball coach of the Knicks, mm-hmm. and number two, The Associate, where she became a businessman, and uh, her assistant was played by Diane Wiest. What? So. Every time I ask this question, I learn of a new movie I haven't watched of hers, and I'm devastated and elated at the same time. It's called The Associate? The Associate. You have to go watch it. It's very 
I mean, I don't know how it's aged because she does turn herself into a white man to become a businessman. So she, she, she is in white male prosthetics. But the whole point of the movie is that. Wait, uh, this is reverse white chicks or no, it's just white. And and also like BB Newworth is in it and like sort of like falls in love with like the male version of Whoopi. Oh, that's a classic storyline. It's like a very 96 and the guy, one of the guys from wings is in it. Um, but Diane, it's like basically like a buddy comedy between like Diane Weist and Whoopi Goldberg. And it's just so insane. And I remember as a kid, just like I got the VHS and I would just watch it over and over again. And I, anyone I would try to show it to, they were like, what the fuck is this movie? And I'm like, it's so good though. And now I'm like, maybe it wasn't good. I haven't watched it in years, but I'm going to rewatch it tonight is what I'm trying to say. Good. And we're going to find out if it aged well or not. And I'm excited to get that answer. Well, listen, Danny Pellegrino, thanks for coming on this podcast. It really, really, really it makes my weekday, month, year, and you are truly iconic. Thank you, Eric. This was a pleasure. Hopefully we'll talk soon. And thank you, everyone. Oh, just a reminder, if you want more Danny Pellegrino, that Patreon link is in the show notes and on all my social media. We have extended episode with Danny there, in addition to some other cool perks. So make sure you sign up if you haven't. And I'm so grateful to you and helping us grow this gay-ass community. I also want to thank Danny Pellegrino for surpassing my high expectations. Follow him at Danny Pellegrino, P-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-N-O. And you can follow me at Eric Wills, W-I-L-L-Z, and at Gay Ass Podcast. That Patreon link is there as well. And please tell your friends if you like this episode. And we have another incredible guest coming up next week. So I'll see you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 